so much for joining us Thursday morning. Uh, snowy start for most of the province and the highways uh, are showing a little bit of challenge as well. So leave yourself a little extra time. Check the highway hotline, that area between Moose Jaw and Swift Current. Not only is it not good, the highway is actually closed for a, a chunk of that spot in there. So it uh, may change your travel plans today. Okay, we're talking about this situation that unfolded on Monday in Saskatoon at St. Paul's Hospital. A person is in the waiting room, so not yet, uh, you know, gone through the check-in and actually back in emerge. They're in the waiting room. They go into respiratory arrest, which is, you know, a waiting room full of people, not a good situation, an emergency situation. And the nursing staff and hospital staff, as you would expect, they swing into action. And they do that very well. They do that multiple times a day. Maybe not in the waiting room. Although some would argue that's the best place. He, clearly, the the patient was there for a reason. And if they're going to have a medical emergency, even though the waiting room's not optimum, I think we can argue that that's probably the place that it should happen. Now, what happened is that the staff there, the nurses said, this is, we got we got to basically hit the big red button. Call it stop the line. Some are saying it wasn't a, an official stop the line. And stop the line, again, this goes back to the manufacturing industry, right? You picture the big uh, assembly line where something goes terribly wrong and you hit the big red button. Everything stops because there's an emergency. So that's what we're referring to. We just talked with Tracy Zambori, who uh, it represents, of course, she's the president of the Saskatchewan Union of Nurses. She talked about the fact they were fully staffed that day. So it wasn't a staffing problem that day. It was an overcapacity problem in the hospital, which we've heard about this many times. Saskatchewan Health Authority has come out with a few different options to dig into this. And my next guest is someone who I'm going to guess this is front and center on his plate every single day. John Ash is the Vice President of Integrated Health Services for Saskatoon and joins us this morning from his office. John, thanks so much for taking the call. My pleasure. Thank you for so, having me. I heard you talking with our uh, our news team yesterday afternoon, and my understanding is you don't think this was actually an official stop the line. It was more of a, a trigger to an OH&S investigation. Yeah, certainly um, we have a culture safety policy within the SHA, and that outlines um, you know a process whereby all staff members can certainly what we call stop, assess, fix, or escalate and report. Um, and certainly staff... Um, determined uh, based on their assessment that they they triggered a um, under the Employment Standards Act. There's the occupational health and safety uh, kind of work safety process uh, that that was initiated, and that actually is a is a formal process where uh, occupational health and safety representatives come in and talk to the um, employees. Uh, they talk to the uh, management and, and identify opportunities for uh, recommendation. So. This overcrowding issue is one, John, that you've been dealing with now for the last little while. I mean, it, it came forefront in the news within the last couple of months, but this isn't a new issue. Uh, I think back to my policing days in Regina. Uh, we saw people in the hallway on a busy Saturday night. That often would be the case. I mean, eventually you just put beds where you need to put beds. The, the problem is it becomes a bit of a safety issue. In this case, do you think the nurses are overreacting? 
Not at all. Like, I think if any employee within the SHA feels that there's something unsafe or something that uh, needs to be rectified, they need to take action. And, and we want our employees to do that. So um, certainly there, there's no criticism to our staff and certainly we support the action that they take. And, and, you know, from our accountability and responsibility, it's our job to listen and understand and, and take action to fix um, what's been identified. You know, John, it's interesting for me, sitting in an independent chair, I just talked with Tracy Zambori and I heard her saying, we really appreciate the fact that management swooped into action, right? Management came down, helped with triaging people, and really took steps to try and, and rectify the situation. I'm hearing you say, not at all. We want our staff, if they feel that it's unsafe, reach out to us and we're going to dig into it. So in many ways, you're, you're saying the same thing. We're in a, we're in a tough situation because I don't know where the fix is. You guys have, have put together the Saskatoon Capacity Action Plan. Where are things at there and are we seeing any steps forward right now? I know there's, there's hopefully some long-term game, but are we seeing any positive steps forward right now? Yeah, I think I, I'm very quite confident we have. We've, and we've actually um, begun to initiate or hire a number of staff, actually to the tune of 300 positions. Uh, we're onboarding within the Saskatoon area, and um, over 80% of those are have been posted or, or hired. Um, and those positions are really focused on adding, as I said, adding more staff, more beds, and more capacity uh, within our system. And when I talk about capacity, and this is, I think, really getting to your question around what's the fix, um, it isn't just in the hospital system. Um, we need to ensure that we're building capacity within our uh, community or primary health care areas so that um, patients with chronic disease can be managed uh, more appropriately in the community or in their home um, so they don't uh, get um, really sick and then having, having to seek care in our hospital system. Or patients that are in the hospital and getting ready for discharge, they can actually go home sooner because there's resources in the community that can support them. And, you know, every nobody wants to be in the hospital um, unless absolutely necessary. And if they can get home with their family, that's where they need to be. So we, we need to, part of the action plan is to increase some of that capacity in the community to be able to support those patients. In addition, we know we have patients that are in our acute care facilities that are waiting for some type of more formal uh, resource uh, in the community, whether that's a convalescent care bed or a long-term care bed. And we um, actually, uh, within uh, weeks of initiating this plan, we implemented 32 uh, temporary transition care beds in the community, and we're looking at formalizing those uh, 32 beds and adding an additional 43. So those are uh, kind of what we call quick response beds or convalescent care beds where we can quickly move patients, um, whether that's out of the emergency department um, into a more um, appropriate community setting uh, to provide the care and support that they need um, to really avoid an admission in the hospital, but at the same time be able to get them into a place where they need to be. John Ash, the VP of Integrated Health Services for Saskatoon, um, that that avoidance of the need to use the emergency room, I knew was a big, I would say, pillar in the Saskatoon and Regina Capacity Action Plan, because often those emergency wards become, you know, I've heard it, everything from, you know, they become the highlighter for the challenges, they become the canary in the coal mine, I've heard all kinds of different, but, but that's the place where people, it manifests itself is there is there one thing you can pinpoint? You've named a few here this morning, John, in terms of hiring resources, opening up beds, uh, finding ways to to you know avoid having people going through the emergency ward. Is there one area that you could stick a pin in and say, if we could solve this tomorrow, it would? There's other issues, but it would greatly release the tension that we're feeling. 
Um, I, I actually, and I wish it was that simple, um, but I think our strategy and approach here is to actually look at focusing uh, in a very concentrated effort on multiple different strategies, and that's really around increasing that capacity in the community so people can get care in the care environment that is, is best for them. Rehiring staff uh, in, in our acute care facilities, adding some capacity there so that um, uh, we have the capacity to meet the need for the patients that need that acute care uh, standpoint. And actually working provincially um, across whether it's our tertiary sites in Regina, Saskatoon, but also through kind of targeted measures across our system to ensure that patients can move um, uh, to get the support that they need, whether that's in regional facilities or enhanced community um, across the system. John, appreciate you taking our call this morning. Thanks so much for your time. Okay, thank you very much. John Ash, the Vice President of Integrated Health Services for Saskatoon, uh, talk in, in regard to what happened on Monday at St. Paul's Hospital, this notion of stop the line. Um, as you heard John say, he thinks it was more of an OHS investigation. So the question is, you know, do, do you think in this case, are the, are the nurses overreacting? Is this really... Um, kind of another normal day in Emerge? Or is this something that's over and above that? one 877 We're happy to take your calls on this. We all give you a chance to, to have your call and your say, whether it's uh, through the phone, through the text. I threw it out to Tracy Zambori when I was talking to her. I said, you know, I've watched firsthand emergencies develop in the hospital on a regular basis. Yeah, sometimes they're in room number three in the Emerge Ward. Sometimes they're in the waiting room. Sometimes they're in a vehicle outside of Emerge. I've seen that. Someone come bursting through the Emerge doors saying, you know, my father's in the car. He's having a heart attack, right? So sometimes it's, it's, it's all around the emergency ward. Is that a, is that a reason to sound the alarm? Now, in this case, Part of the problem was there's no beds left. They've been told time and time again you can't stack people up in the hallway because it it breaches the fire codes. So maybe, maybe that is justified in sounding the alarm or stopping the line. What are your thoughts? one 332 8255 We'll go to the phones and the texts next on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. Well, good morning, and thank you so much for joining us. Thursday morning, we're starting the show off talking about the situation at St. Paul's Hospital that unfolded on Monday. This is the one where a patient was in the waiting room, had not yet been moved into a bed back into the eMERGE ward, and while the patient was there, went into respiratory arrest. And as a result, staff scrambled and used the term... The situation triggered nurses to stop the line. So that's that's that phrase where basically like the assembly line is stopped if there's an emergency. So it was uh, a stop the line move that triggers an OHS investigation. We chatted with Tracy Zambori about this, and it seems as though you know we we maybe are are playing with terms here. Whether it was a stop the line, whether it was basically a call for an OHS investigation. Uh, John Ash is uh, someone we talked to as well. So Tracy Zambori from the Nurses Union, John Ash from Integrated Health Services for Saskatoon, part of the SHA, and you know both agree that it was a situation where they were over capacity. It wasn't a situation where there weren't enough nurses. 
And so they, you know, basically said this is an emergency and it needs to be dealt with. And thus we're talking about it today. I'm asking you the question, do you think the nurses are overreacting about this? one 332 8255 Happy to hear your thoughts and calls. We're getting a ton of texts, and I mean a ton of texts, from people that work in healthcare, from people who have used healthcare in the last little while. And one of the themes that we're hearing is we need to educate the public on the expectations and realities of using the emergency ward. If you don't need, if it's not an emergency, I've, you know, anything from sprained an ankle to feel like I'm coming down with something. If it's not an emergency that requires an emergency ward, is there another way it can be helped or handled? Because that's part of it. In fact, one of the texts says, too bad they closed all the small rural hospitals. Back in the 70s and 80s, many, many local people would have been going to their local hospital with minor issues, left the city hospitals for the big emergencies, but no local hospital, everybody goes to the city. And and as we heard over the weekend, Ross Thurn was on bypass. So Ross Thurn's a fairly large health center for people in that area. And if they are not accepting anyone into their eMERGE ward and they're saying, nope, sorry, you're going to have to go on somewhere else, you know where they're going to go. Saskatoon is likely to get them. one 332 8255 going to go to Mo in Regina. Thanks for calling in, Mo. What, what's your thought? Are the nurses overreacting or is this a cause to pull the panic alarm? Uh, uh, I think that this is a cause for the panic button to be... Uh and stop the line is appropriate in these situations. Uh, I'm a family physician in Regina. Uh, I've been here for 25 years, uh, six months uh, uh, locum in the beginning, and I'm still here. Uh, The biggest problem I recognize is that uh, most of the patients that land up in the emergency room uh, are people that uh, usually don't have family doctors. So the uh, expansion of family doctor role has to be uh, uh, accounted for because uh, if I see 250 patients a week, uh, I don't get one patient going to the hospital. Uh, that means I've kept 250 patients out of the hospital, right? That's a good point, yeah. Doc. Yeah. The other thing is that there's a lot of patients that are coming to the emergency room that are basically ambulating. But because they are uh, in the system, uh, they uh, require uh, some blood work, uh, x-rays, uh, diagnostics, and uh, uh, they just wait for people to come and do it, phlebotomists or the porter uh, to take the person to the x-ray. Uh, I came from South Africa, and if we had people that were ambulating, we send them directly to get those things done, so we free up the rooms where they are being assessed by the physician in the ER. Uh, the only people that went direct to ER were trauma, or like in MBAs, et cetera, uh, or uh, heart disease. So most of them could get evaluated uh, outside uh, in an ambulatory setting where you have more physicians uh, sitting uh, to doing the triaging rather than holding up the ER rooms, which are at a premium, right? Some absolutely really great points sick. there. 
Yeah, really um, good points, Doc. People that are really sick need to get the, uh, 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 in to be seen by a physician. Well, thank How you so much for uh, for calling in this morning. We appreciate that. Uh, I think there's some brilliant points there. Number one, access to a family doctor. If people don't have a family doctor, they default to emerge. The other thing is, and and uh, he's stating it quite well there. If people are in need of things like X-rays, it's a way to expedite that. If you go to the do- if you go to the hospital, if you go to the emergency ward, you get it all done. You get the blood work done. You get the and you're getting it done while you're laying in a bed, taking up a bed in the emerge ward on things that potentially could be triaged differently. So, I love the fact that we had a doctor that. That call in, and we've had lots of nurses too. So here's just one example. I'm an RN. This is a text that we got in, and I'm an RN working in a very large nursing unit uh, at St. Paul's Hospital. I do think Son and the nurses in emerged last Monday are overreacting. It's not every day that the hospital is full, but I also think Saskatoon needs a new hospital. The Victoria Hospital expansion will help a lot when it's completed. I think we should give the government some slack. We cannot magically build a hospital overnight. Interesting. From a nurse. From a nurse. There's another one here I saw from a nurse I was going to go to. Here it is. My mom works as an emergency nurse at St. Paul's and has been there over 40 years. This current situation is not a one-off. They're always working short-staffed, over capacity, and throw in a bit of violence that they experience on a daily basis without enough security support makes the work situation incredibly dangerous. I've heard that, too. St. Paul's deals with lots of challenging situations. And and at the end of the day, and you heard Tracy Zambori talk about it this morning, they were f- fully staffed. So on Monday when this happened, they had a, a full complement of nurses and support staff and doctors working in the ER. The problem was capacity, right? And so how do we solve the capacity problems, stacking people in the hallways, blocking emergency exits, leaving people basically unattended for long periods of time, we got to find ways to avoid them going to emerge in the first place. That's what the doctor was just talking about. That's what John Ash was talking about when we had had him on. And find ways to triage people. Once they get into emerge, they get diagnosed. Do they have to be moved upstairs? Can they be sent home? What's that look like? And do we have the staff in place to support that as well? So I'm Evan Bray, and you're listening to 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.